Hello and welcome back to the Bunker Daily. I'm Naomi Smith. Now, of course, this year, much of the COVID-19 focus has understandably been on the health aspect of the pandemic and government responses to it. But while Johnson has come under much fire for Britain having amongst the worst global per capita mortality and infection rates, and has had to isolate himself after exposure to the virus on more than one occasion, the Chancellor of the Exchequer, Rishi Sunak, has got off comparatively lightly. The lesser spoken about crisis of 2020 is one of wealth, not health, and in particular, the wealth of those who have fallen through the cracks in government support. While Sunak shot to prominence this year, offering many of us half-priced wagamamas and other sweeties, he has spectacularly failed more than 3 million people in the UK who have had no financial support from the government whatsoever. In fact, some estimates put the figure much higher as almost 6 million people having to scrape by unsupported. Despite the government furlough scheme paying a generous 80% towards an employee's pay, the scheme failed to cover many different groups of people, including, but not limited to, and brace yourself, those earning less than 50% income from self-employment, PAYE freelancers, new starters, those made redundant before the 19th of March, directors paid PAYE annually, directors of companies not making a profit, new businesses, those in maternity, parental, adoption leave situations, and more. And it won't escape listeners that the vast majority of those groups are, of course, taxpayers, and yet they're being denied access to help. Joining me today is Ellie Phillips, a broadcaster, journalist and now campaigner who represents a group called Forgotten PAYE, who want parity for the self-employed who are taxed at source. Ellie, welcome to The Bunker. How are you doing? Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, I'm all right, thank you. Today is a good day, I think. Good. Well, I'm pleased to hear that because I think it's been a pretty difficult year. Um, so thank you for joining us. And for those who aren't familiar with the term, could you just explain to listeners what being self-employed but taxed at source means? And maybe also the kinds of professions that are often covered by that that kind of pay arrangement. Yeah, of course. Okay, so PAYE means pay as you earn, which is taxed at source. So um, if you're a PAYE freelancer, you're you you may seem like an employee of a company, but you would have no employee benefits. So when your counterpart who is an employee gets sick pay, maternity pay, uh, redundancy pay, um, and, and is guaranteed work, you have none of that. But at the same time, you're taxed at source. So uh, you have no way of, you know, in a traditional kind of self-employed sense, in inverted commas, reducing your tax bill. You can't claim for travel or sustenance or anything like that. You are taxed at source in exactly the same way that an employee is, except you have none of those benefits. So you are neither an employee nor self-employed. And that's why um, in the Treasury Select Committee report into the gaps in support, they highlighted PAYE freelancers in particular as having been excluded from both of the coronavirus uh, financial support schemes and and actually stated this cannot be right because there was was no scheme. Um, They Mm. were literally excluded from day, day one. And, and and what kinds of people tend to, what kinds of professions hire on that sort of basis? Do you know, it's so crazy because when I first started campaigning, I assumed that it was just media because it's so rife in the media. But actually, mm. it's, it's literally all professions. I've spoken to people, I've spoken to taxi drivers, people from higher education, uh, NHS bank staff workers are PAYE freelancers, so people in our NHS. 
have been excluded from support when they weren't needed during this pandemic, or, or they may even have been needed at the beginning. And then when uh, things were readjusted, when, when part of hospitals were closed down and, and people were re- redeployed, they were then, you know, left by the wayside by our government. Um, you've got, I can't explain how this goes through every mm-hmm. single profession in the country. And how many people across the UK do you estimate fall into this group? So uh, in terms of PAYE freelancers, we estimate that there's about 1.8 million PAYE freelancers. And that's if you include zero hours workers, which are essentially the same thing. The difference mm. being that zero hours workers, uh, there are almost a million of them. They are they, they don't submit any kind of tax return at all. And they may not identify as a freelancer. Uh, but then on the other hand, you've got PAYE freelancers who may be on, on you know be taxed at source for a majority of their income but may also invoice elsewhere so it's kind of like the way you work now is is, is that kind of mixed income stream I'm, I'm really curious to know you, you did mention that the media is is one industry that you assumed would be most uh, predisposed to this particular problem but that you know there's also people working on NHS style contracts and in higher education and others is there any kind of gendered element to this that you're seeing you know are women more likely to be working in these kinds of roles in your experience do you know, from what I've kind of gathered through campaigning for so many months, I don't think there is a gendered element to the PAY freelancing aspect. There is, in terms of exclusion, there's a gendered element in that uh, there's a group called Maternity Petition who um, campaign for the rights of uh, mothers who have basically been discriminated against because of the time they took off to, to raise their children. So mm-hmm. then whatever their allowance was or wasn't at all, if they were if they could access support, it was massively reduced because they raised a child, essentially. Right, yeah, so that's yeah. the only kind of gendered element that's come into it for me. What I see, actually, is that it's just about privilege. So, for example, it's the people who are POA freelancers, they're kind of like two ends of the scale you hear the government say a lot about you know people who earn two hundred thousand pounds and stuff I mean that's just so few and far between it's unbelievable most of the PAY freelancers that we talk to are minimum wage or just above you know um they tend to be I would say they tend to be younger but I have spoken to people who've been PAY freelancers for 40 years you know so Mm. it's hard it's quite a diverse mix um which is something I learned through this but I'd say that the main thread is that it's people who are they're not privileged they don't have necessarily have you know huge support networks around them they don't have you know people who can bail them out they don't have bank of mummy and daddy they're just normal average working class or you know lower middle class people who taxpayers taxpayers (laughs) yeah exactly they're taxpayers just like everyone but they're not this this kind of idea that only the people who've been excluded from support are you know multi-millionaires were rolling around I'm like you have Mm. no idea these people who are people if they were lucky enough to have been able to save three months to see themselves through difficult periods you know they they were the lucky ones in this because you know that was what's advised when you go freelance and have three months of savings but we're not eight months on um yeah so it's a difficult one and and presumably a, a significant chunk of the the two and a half million forgotten PAYE have dependents too. So this isn't just about those people themselves. Presumably, lots of them have got got people who depend on them, whether children, you know, elderly parents, others. So how are people coping? I mean, are they eligible for other support like SEISS and universal credit, or are they having to turn to food banks? 
Oh, you're so right. It's 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 so distressing. This is the thing I hate to think about the most, really, is that, you know, there are estimates that overall, I mean, we're just talking about PAY freelance, but, but of those who've been excluded, you're talking between three and six million people, uh, taxpayers. And, and just to put that in context, three million is, is the population of Wales. And like you said, that's not even taking into account their dependents. They do have children. I worry most for, you know, single parents with young children. And, and they're not coping. And I think that's the, the problem. Um, the government says there are other support schemes out there, but actually they're, they're not fit for purpose because for POA freelancers, we can't access sites. Like I said before, we've been excluded from day one from both of the support schemes, which grant people, you know, they're the grants that that money is given and then paid mm. back by all taxpayers. So we were excluded from both of those as POA freelancers. And in terms of universal credit, it's interesting because research by Ipsy and the University of Edinburgh found that only 3% of freelancers accessed universal credit during the first lockdown. So these are people, these are freelancers who could not access either of the two main support scheme grants and they couldn't access universal credit. And as a freelancer, you can't access a bounce back loan because you're not a business. So you have nothing. And then the only thing that you have after that is going into debt, taking on credit card loans, going into overdrafts, and those all incur penalty fees and, you know, your credit rating is ruined. And so the support that they say is out there for people that can't access these main two schemes, not just for PAY freelancers, for Mm. all others who've been excluded, is simply debt. A loan is debt. It's not a grant. It's very, very different. And it it boggles my mind that they can happily say, oh, well, we'll give some of the the taxpayers grants, we'll give them taxpayers money, then others, we'll we'll give them loans so they owe us money, they they will put them into debt, and then we'll just ignore a whole load of other taxpayers and we'll give them nothing and we'll leave them to rot. It's just crazy that eight months on, that they're still allowing this to happen because now we're at the point where you know after eight months who can who can afford to survive eight months with no income with no income and no support you know a lot of PAY freelancers a lot of freelancers in general are in rented accommodation we know you know rent is sky high especially in and around London and major cities um you know and and they say oh well you know we've, we've put this thing in place to stop people getting chucked out of their homes and we've given mortgage holidays but they're, again they're all clusters they're just sticky tapes over the real mm. problem if you actually gave people the same amount of support that you're giving others are you giving them parity then you wouldn't need to put those things in place because people would be able to pay the bills as they usually would so it's that's the issue is that you're yeah. you're, you're pushing the, the government talks a lot about leveling up actually this is leveling down you've pushed millions of people into poverty into homelessness into food bank usage which we know has doubled you know during all of this you know the mental health side i will talk about later but it's it's just genuinely mind-boggling that they can allow this to happen and then at the end of this all taxpayers will be paying it back of course and 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 so you, you've talked, you know, very uh, generously about there being many other groups and it's not just the, the forgotten PYE. And you've talked about, you know, mums that have, have lost out because of earnings and, and other excluded groups. But yeah. what is it that you are all specifically asking for? You know, is it is it parity with those who have been able to make use of, of the other schemes, the furlough scheme and the, the SEISS, or, or is it something else? And, and, and is it, are you all asking for the same thing? I think you've got it bang on. Essentially, we're all asking for parity to make sure that the support that we should have had is given to us and is backdated um, to bring us into line with taxpayers who did receive grants 
like I said, again, the difference between a grant and a loan is, is crazy. Um, can you just imagine for a second if the government turned around and said to people who'd had grants, whether it be through, um, you know, the SEIS scheme or through furlough, that actually, you know, we've decided their loans now, so you've got to pay them back straight, like, people would be in uproar. So why is it okay for some and not for others? But mm. yes, essentially, we want we want parity, backdated parity, but now also compensation, like I mentioned before, you know, penalty fees, credit ratings, just completely just through the, the floor and just the, 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 the impact beyond the initial kind of exclusion go, is massive. It's absolutely enormous. We've seen that furlough scheme be extended until the end of March 2021. But what reason has the Chancellor given you and the other excluded groups for not including you this time around? Because I suppose you could maybe just about have forgiven them last time for not realising and, you know, they had to do it all in such a rush. But as you say, there's been eight months of campaigning on this. You've hardly been quiet about it since then. So what's the rationale for leaving you out now? Oh, do you know, I, I, I wish I knew. I actually wish I knew because... Like you said at the beginning, and to be honest, I don't think we really started campaigning in earnest until May when lockdown happened in March. The furlough scheme was announced. We then he said he was going to do a self employment income support scheme, and we kind of said, Okay, you know, these things, you know, you've got to do things very quickly. And then when that came into play in, in May, and it became very, very apparent that millions of taxpayers still wouldn't be getting help from either of the schemes that's when we kind of like kicked into action to start campaigning about it and like you said we've been so loud we have just done everything we can do within um you know the scope of our 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 democracy to kind of raise the issue to try and get justice I just don't understand why he's Mm. excluded the same groups he keeps saying oh we've extended support for self-employed but it's only the people who were already included for the first round of grants. So you're continuing to help the taxpayers you've helped previously and continuing Mm. to exclude those who've had nothing. I mean, absolutely nothing, not one penny in support when their livelihoods have been ripped away from them through no fault of their own. And like you said, yeah, the first point of call, perhaps you could say, okay, maybe they didn't realise, maybe they put these schemes in place and they thought it was going to stop fraud, but actually it's just leaving people out who desperately need uh, and deserve to have this help, these taxpayers who've paid into this system. So I just don't understand. Ellie, that's the bit that I'm struggling with because the, the free market-loving Conservatives are in government and Sunak, as Chancellor, is very much the kind of Conservative who eulogises about entrepreneurship, the benefits of business, of you know working hard, having a great work ethic, pulling yourself up by your bootstraps, maybe going out there and getting more than one job. So it it boggles my mind as to why oh, yeah. he would punish the the very taxpayers he would ordinarily prize. What's going on? I honestly, it, the, the the Conservatives obviously push themselves constantly as the party of small business, the party of entrepreneurs, and this proves that they're just not. There's just no way they can claim that anymore when they're the exact people who they have excluded from support. I actually don't understand why he's punishing those people when everyone knows he's got his eye on, you know, becoming PM one day. And he's he's making so many hardworking taxpayers just feel, ga- well, he's gaslighting them essentially because he's saying everyone's had support. Maybe it's not the support they wanted, but everyone's had support when we know that's actually factually not correct. I don't know why he's punishing those taxpayers. It makes no sense. It is discrimination. It's a huge, huge injustice. And I think now it's the point where, you know, 
people are starting to realise, the media are starting to pick up on it again, especially after this last announcement. I just wish, he, I, I wish I could get inside his mind and understand what the end goal is here because by not helping these people, not only is he pushing them into poverty, he's crushing jobs. So like I said, mm-hmm. I mentioned earlier, um, you know, you've got limited company, direct, directors of limited companies, they can furlough people they employ, but they can't, furlough themselves because if they did they'd have to stop working and then their business would go bust and they can't claim a self-employment income support scheme grant because they're not technically self-employed because they're mm. direct as limited companies um, and so he's literally like you said punishing the people in this country who create jobs so at the end of this furlough scheme which these you know small to medium businesses have, have, have utilized to keep their employees going to give them a lifeline their jobs won't be there because the businesses won't be there so it just makes no sense. Some politicians at least are taking this seriously though, aren't they? So tell us about the all-party parliamentary group on gaps in support. Who who has got your back and is trying to fight your corner? <laughs> yeah, you're right. Do you know, it's 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 really heartening to know that actually a third of the House are without hesitation behind that's the House uh, of Commons campaign. That's the House of Commons, yeah. So we've got about a third of the House of Commons uh, cross-party political groups called the Gaps and Support APPG. It's the largest in our political history. Um, and it was the, the fast, uh, very fast as well. So I think within a week of having it set up, we had the most MPs in an APPG that we'd ever had before. Um, and it's cross-party. So, you, you know, it, Jamie Stone from the Limited uh, Liberal Democrats, he founded it, but you've also got prominent MPs like uh, Caroline Lucas, you've got Tracy Babin, you've got from all parties who've come together, who see the problem, who acknowledge the problem which is something that Rishi Sunak hasn't really done and who wants help find a solution and so um you know we have regular meetings with them about what we can do how we can do it but you will have noticed that you know when they push these questions in the House of Commons to Rishi Sunak and to Boris Johnson and to anyone else on the front bench of the Conservative Party that they simply ignore the question they either just ignore it if they're lucky enough to have been you know the, the question's been put to them with another question they just ignore the question on those who've been excluded and if it's literally plainly asked what are you doing for these people who've had no support these taxpayers who've had no support for eight months what are you doing for them there's a lit there's a copy and paste answer that they all use which is about the unprecedented level of support that's been given to self-employed people which i must point out is factually incorrect as well because it isn't the best in the world. It isn't even the best in Europe because you've got Sweden, France and Germany who support mm. the self-employed was much higher and was guaranteed straight off the bat until December. So when he says, oh, it's the best ever, it's not. It's not been. It never has been. And it doesn't include all taxpayers, which is the biggest problem. Well, I think we're all rapidly realising that anything this government claims is world-beating is usually uh, world-losing. <laughs> so, so you've got hundreds of MPs concerned about the Chancellor's failure to help you. You've had money-saving expert, most trusted man in Britain, Martin Lewis, raising your case. What more do you think needs to happen to get the government to take notice and actually do something? I mean, are you going to need somebody like Marcus Rashford to get behind this? I mean, what's the next step? So, like you said, yes, we've got um, Martin Lewis behind us. Actually, now, in this past week, we've managed to get even more support from prominent broadcasters. So we've got, you know, Piers Morgan, Susanna uh, Reid. We've got, um, you know, so many. Kay Burley, um, across the board now. Bunker podcast. Yes, exactly. (laughs) 
picking up on it more and more and more, you know, we're still banging the door down. Um, and I don't think it should take a celebrity to shame the government into action. When we followed all of the democratic routes to getting justice, I just, I don't understand why it needs to get to that mm. point. Why, why they can't listen to the hardworking taxpayers. Why should we have to go to the streets during a pandemic like the way the students did to get their U-turn? Or why do we need a footballer to raise the issue? Like, we've raised the issue through the largest APPG in history. The Treasury Select Committee report identified these gaps and put recommendations forward. They were ignored. The Office of Nas- um, the National Audit Office have, have identified the gaps and said that these people have been excluded. So I don't understand why it should have to come to that. I mean, we did have celebrities involved in a, a campaign which focused on the mental health side of it, which we'll talk mm. about in a little bit. But I don't think we should have to have celebrities to get justice. No. That completely undermines our democratic process. Before we go, I do just want to pick up on on something you've mentioned, you touched on a couple of times, and that's the mental health aspect of all of this. Um, winter and Christmas, you know, notoriously stressful periods at the best of times, yeah. uh, but during a global pandemic when you're in, in an increasingly precarious financial situation, as you say, month on month for eight, nine months compounding that problem. Um, and, and through, of course, no fault of your own, it must surely mm. be hellish. Are you beginning to see the mental health of those excluded from support begin to suffer? And, and if so, you know, t- tell us about the, the, the campaign that you're doing with the Samaritans on this. Yeah, so like you said, it's Christmas is stressful anyway, but for people who have had no income for eight, nine months I just you know my heart goes out to them because you know at the end of the day the ones who are going to suffer the most out of this are their children who and 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 it must be so demoralizing as a parent you know you've done nothing wrong you've always paid your taxes and when when your child's asking for a simple Christmas present that you can't you can't get it for them you know and beyond that you can't even put food on the table you know so it is incredibly distressing and I actually began to see the mental health impact of people being excluded back in in May when I first started campaigning. Um, I I put calls out to people uh, using my social media and stuff to find people who were were willing to tell their stories about how Mm. it was impacting them and stuff. And, you know, I would get emails at three, four in the morning from people who were suicidal, people who were basically sending me suicide notes, Mm. as, as plainly as that, saying, you know, if I'm not here tomorrow, thank you for what you've done but I just don't know how long I can go on with this, being ignored, feeling like I've done something wrong, questioning their own existence. A lot of people, that was kind of a theme that came through, people being like, he's telling everyone, this is Rishi Sunak, he's telling everyone they've had some support, but I know I haven't had support, but then I don't understand, like, did I do something wrong? You know, and- and Am I invisible? Am I invisible? And that's that's this classic gaslighting, have I done something wrong? It's my fault. Am I questioning my own lived experience because I'm being told- something's happened that hasn't happened and it's so damaging to go through that as well as the fact that you know you've got bills to pay and you've got you now in debt and you've got loans like absolutely horrific we all know that financial struggles are one of the biggest reasons that people end up you know feeling low and mm. then beyond that then if you're if the chemicals in your brain readjust to that feeling that low level of, of, of feeling that that's when that becomes you know a depression or it can become anxiety and so quite a few months ago now I set up a campaign called Mind the Gaps and this is it's a justgiving.com so it's if you wanted to help out with this it's justgiving.com justgiving.com forward slash Mind the Gaps and it's directly for Samaritans because as someone involved in the campaign groups 
as well as the other campaign groups. So, you know, like the ones I mentioned earlier, we wanted to be able to signpost people who were emailing us at three in the morning or sending us DMs or tweets or, you know, personal messages in mm. absolute pieces that we could signpost them somewhere 24-7 for free help because we know we can't do that. You know, I'm a journalist yeah. and a presenter. I'm not a mental health expert, you know. And so that's why we set up Mind the Gaps, just to raise money to go directly to Samaritans so that we felt that, you know, we had confidence that we could signpost people to somewhere to get help and also that we would support the charity that was going to offer them that help. And it's only getting worse. I, oddly, I spoke to, um, by random coincidence, I spoke to someone from Samaritans, one of an actual Samaritan, so not someone, you know, way up in the company, but actually a, a Samaritan. And yeah. she said that she was devastated by the number of calls that she had coming in from people who were, it was the financial side of things mm. and just didn't have any money to get through. They were, they felt guilty because they were letting their families down, even though they'd done nothing wrong. They felt like a burden on their families because their families, you know, were having to then pay to feed them, even though they were the main breadwinner previously. And she said to me that the rise in suicides is something she's never experienced before. She's been doing Samaritans for many, 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 many years. And so that's really worrying. Well, Ellie, thank you very, very much for for talking us through all of this and for your work, in particular that last bit in terms of uh, the Mind the Gaps charity to help those through no fault of their own are now suffering the the mental health distress of being completely abandoned by the government uh, in terms of their financial support. Um, So uh, a huge thanks to you. Thank you very much for being on the show. Uh, What's next for you in your campaign? Judicial review. So next we are gearing up to, we've spoken to a few different law firms, a few different specialists, and yeah, it's judicial review, we think. It's just how we go about it. You know, we've had some experts and people say, you know, you need to go for the best kind of specialist in this, but obviously that costs hundreds of thousands if it goes to court. And then on the other side, people are saying just go pro bono, but then will they have the skill set that's needed to go against the government? But at the end of the day, I don't think that people, the only people who should get justice are those who can afford it. Indeed. Well, good luck to you. Um, And for you, our listeners, please don't forget that we have Bunker Dailies every Wednesday, Thursday and Friday, plus the invaluable Start Your Week version on Monday mornings and the main long show every Tuesday. Make sure you're subscribed on your favourite podcast app so that you never miss an episode. Thank you very much and we'll see you soon. The Bunker Daily was presented by Naomi Smith. The assistant producers were Jacob Archbold and Yelena Sofronievich. And audio production was by me, Alex Reese. Theme tune by Kenny Dickinson. The Bunker is a Podmasters production. <laughs> <laughs>